Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and we are back on the air again. I've been up in Colorado and in L.A. and also up in Alaska this past summer. Things have been real busy in my life, so I haven't done the show in a while, but I plan to restart, and we'll be doing it every other week. We'll have a new episode of Adult Bedtime Stories. I've had exciting adventures this summer. We went on a trip to Alaska and saw whales and glaciers and blue glass and just had an exciting adventure. And then I went to L.A. and did a SAR for my sex coaching training. SAR stands for Sexual Attitude Adjustment. And we learned all kinds of new things about sexuality. I got this most amazing tour of a sex shop. And the owner that had been running it for many, many years, I think we're over 25, went through every product and described it, what it did to the body, and how it would excite you and turn you on. 
So I've had an incredible adventure, and this is the first summer we took off, but I was gone a lot. But it was well worth it. And tonight, we're going to do a topic on service subs. And I have some guests. Of course, I have Paul with me. Hey guys, how's it going? And I have Rose. Hello. Reverend Fox. He's been on the show before. Glad to be back. Before we get jump into our topic, I want to say that the summer has been magical. I got to spend it in Colorado, in the mountains, Rocky Mountains. Then we went to L.A. for a weekend. I got to stay in the mansion up in Hollywood mm-hmm. with a dear friend of mine that's bisexual and a journalist. Ooh. And we had an overlook up in the hills of Hollywood, uh-huh. of Hollywood itself, just right below us. That's it was incredible. just beautiful. We'd sit out on the porch and look down on all the stars. Usually stars are in the sky, but in Hollywood, they're down on the ground, too. (laughs) (laughs) It was just such a magical, special event this summer. I got to see humpback whales. I got to see orcas. And I got to see glaciers for the first time in my life. And it was incredible, the colors of glaciers. They were this amazing deep blue from all the crushed ice, the pressure. On one of the glaciers, we got to see it melting and falling into the water. Did it make the crack sounds that they're Oh yeah, it made the crack sounds. It (laughs) was amazing. I love Alaska. It's like there are arts up there. And I I went to a workshop. I thought we were going to watch people demonstrate glass blowing like they do here in Texas. No, we got to blow glass. We got to work with glass hands on. It was incredible and so sexy because molten glass is just this, ooh, if it had been a little more sex positive up there, I would have asked her to make me a dildo <laughs> <laughs> or let me make a dildo. <laughs> but it was part of the cruise ship thing. I didn't want to rock the boat too much, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, you still have to take the boat home, so. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I don't want to get left in Alaska. <laughs> Although that or maybe wouldn't you do. be so bad. <laughs> But it was a great experience. But anyway, without further ado, I have been had a busy summer adventuring and exploring and learning new things and doing new things, and it's been incredible. But without further ado, I'd like to kind of go around and ask each of you, what does service slave mean to you? And I'll jump in first. For me, a service slave is someone that has this deep need and desire to serve. 
it's more than just a calling. It's it's this kind of primal part of ourselves. I know Paul has it. He has this deep need to serve. And to me, being a service slave to a master is a symbiotic relationship. I have a need to be served. I love when Paul performs goddess worship with me, when he kneels before me and serves me in every fiber of his being. And there is this kind of primal element for me to service subs. It's this kind of connection that goes deeper than most forms of BDSM. It's that connection of servitude and worship and devotion that is very powerful. But enough of my thoughts. Let me go around and see what each of you think. Take your turns as you want. For me, honestly, being a service slave and a sex slave at the same time, it's an amazing opportunity to serve my master. It turns me on so much to know that I am providing for someone in every way that I can. I do it physically through sex acts, and it's really hot, but also through daily tasks that I do to keep up with the house and to make everything work well. And having someone to serve gives me a drive that I would not have otherwise. And I am someone who needs that kind of external stimulus to really build a life. And one of the things that is awesome about serving Gigi as a service slave is that he is dedicated to my own growth. And so working on things that serve myself are ways to serve my master. So I study math. I do a lot of different things that wouldn't normally be considered in sexual service. But by serving myself, I'm serving my master because turns out Gigi is a service dom and he really cares about my own personal growth a lot and it really allows me to do a lot of things that I wouldn't normally do for myself because I'm generally so focused on other people but because part of the service to him is serving my own needs and my own growth it's part of what is expected of me and by doing 
the things that are expected of me, I can serve myself in a way that I normally wouldn't. And it's amazing. Rez, what does being a service sub mean to you? We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and I spent some time reflecting on uh, the origin of where this came from for me. As a child, I acknowledged how much I enjoyed being a hostess. Uh, As a kid, I would go around garden parties that my grandmother would throw, asking if anybody needed a refill on iced tea or finger sandwiches. It made people happy to feel special oh yeah (laughs) and then uh when i first uh, started exploring that aspect of my desire to serve it was very rewarding to know that i i do a good job at making people happy and and being told that i made the right call when one of my masters needed uh their cigarette lit or they were thirsty so they needed a drink that or maybe they needed a blowjob or, or maybe <laughs> they needed a blowjob i just knowing that this is something that i i can be good at i can make someone happy i can do a really good job at something in a world where there are so many confusions about you know where is my place what can i do yeah and It's so rewarding to know. I think at the key of it, there's this kind of underlying current that we don't pleasure each other enough. And I think through service, we pleasure. Does that very much so? Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. It's like putting a smile on someone's face is wonderful. And if I can do that while also getting my rocks off. What's the harm in that? Oh, definitely. What kinds of service do you provide? Uh, Previously, I did topless cleaning services for someone who maybe wasn't the the best person uh, as a service dom, but uh, I got into the habit of like making sure food was cooked, drinks were served, places were clean. You know, one of my fantasies when I was a submissive was to be a human food serving tray. I did that. I oh, actually wow. did that at cool. a, uh, a Beltane <laughs> festival. I, I was an actual buffet table. And I had like a side joy of people being kind enough to feed me while I was the table for them to feast on. It was oh, a wow. wonderful experience. Cool. <laughs> And I've noticed that's become a huge fad lately, that a lot of people are doing that these days. And I'm very pro that movement. Oh, yes. Especially with sushi. Oh. Especially with sushi. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't mind doing that sometime. The the time I did it, it was your garden variety, uh, fruits, veg, some, there was uh, cheese and salami on my breasts. Oh, a wonderful wow. place. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> I, I had a great time with that. Mm. I'd like to ask her, Dominant, what does having Rose as your service sub do for you? Oh, that is a wonderfully fun question. Uh, so many things. Good example. 
uh, the first time Rose had come out to a Tuesday. For those who aren't aware, a local club that we frequent called Numbers has a Kinky Tuesday. It was probably the second or third time of us just even knowing each other in person. And Rose sat at my feet and anticipated every time I needed a sip from my drink. Just reaching it up, making sure, making eye contact, double-checking. And I'm not normally one for public service. Like, I like you be the person you're going to be if you serve me while we're out in public fun, whatever. But uh, there was something invigorating about it, that this was a new part of our dynamic, that this was a thing that we could explore more and more. So they served me in a bunch of ways, like... <laughs> If we're being candid, which we always are on this show. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, it was a lot more sexual service before it was any kind of practical service. Ah. And I'm a very needy bitch when it comes to sexual service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's true. <laughs> but needless to say, so I am was... I. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think that's why we get along, Gigi. <laughs> but I was thoroughly surprised there as well because it just the eagerness to serve, seeing that in someone else is brilliant because as in my time as a submissive, I know what you're trying to achieve there. I know what you're trying to do for the other person and what you're trying to achieve for yourself. So... To see Rose not only do things that I would have done as a service a service sub, but to do them flawlessly and beautifully, oh, yeah. well executed, <laughs> without questioning or prodding or anything, just immediately fly right in and get the job done with, blew me away. <laughs> this kind of relates to my Alaskan cruise. The staff was so amazing. I went up to the cigarette smoking area and one of the waitresses noticed that when I wasn't ordering wine because I only did that during happy hour because the prices were like oh, exorbitant ridiculous. but anytime I wasn't drinking wine I drank ginger ale hmm. because they didn't have Dr. Pepper on the cruise ship what a terrible boat I know bad boat bad bad they need to fix that <laughs> It got to the point where she would see me walk into the cigarette room and just bring me a ginger ale. Oh. I mean, she waited on me hand and foot. It was incredible. Many of the staff did. We set up an area where we had 20 members of the Wilbur family on this cruise. And so we kind of said we could bring our own alcohol and we'd have happy hour each afternoon in this one section. And even the guy under Captain, he was, I forget the title, he came and joined us <laughs> often. And he finally said, okay, we're going to put up a plaque. <laughs> this is the Wilbur social hour space. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, the crew was just amazing and totally in disservice. And it, it felt so good to be served at that level and to be waited on. And they knew our names within a couple of days. And the waitress would come up and go, here's your ginger ale, Gigi. 
I love your name, Gigi. <laughs> How long was your cruise? It was about a little over two weeks. Wow, nice. It was amazing. Well, I think but, that those kind of moments, those yeah. like public service, but not necessarily public service, like going above and beyond moments, mm -hmm. are a thing that a lot of people strive to do because we don't get that kind of service in exactly. the normal parts of our life. And I think that's also one of the things that draws people like us into this lifestyle is that you can get that in a different form. <laughs> and that's partly why I brought this up is that, you know, Paul serves me so well in so many ways. He services me sexually and he takes care of house cleaning. There's times when we need to do a little correction and adjustment. And I have to punish him once in a while, but I enjoy that too. <laughs> I also enjoy it. I also enjoy it. It's not... Uh, I, I feel like a lot of times uh, people hear the word punishment and uh, they might assume... A different thing. It it really is just a correction, and because it is different than the way that we play, because like, first of all, a lot of times I don't get a warm up, which I normally get with uh, play. It it it's a different thing, but it, it also is not actual torture it is a thing to write behaviors and because i actually enjoy pain it it can help me but because it's not the way that we tend to do play like it's also a different thing it it's let me fill in here a little bit okay. <laughs> A lot of times when I punish Paul, it's not so much that I want an apology. I want him to make amends and correct his behavior. And that's a whole different thing. Oftentimes when we apologize, we're just excusing ourselves. But when we make amends, we correct our behavior. And so what I'm working on Paul with is kind of re-navigating and making amends. And I have him kneel before my dick and do a full confession of his transgressions. Then I punish him. And then I come and have him give gratitude to my cock orally. And then after that, I have him state, how am I going to change and do better? The Reverend and I just had a very similar conversation not too long ago about this very same topic. I'm a big fan of atonement. I think that it's a really good form of punishment. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot there uh not only with just, uh, we have a very religious dynamic with <laughs> ourselves going on, um, but uh, the idea of working that into the dynamic, working the 
this is what needs to be changed and this what needs to be done better um can be a positive thing and we do it with ritual i think ritual is so important in all this i agree can you elaborate what are some of the rituals y'all do oh we barely have anything of a ritual going on <laughs> we are just establishing our dynamic uh, there have been a, a handful of times where I've uh, maybe misstepped a bit, uh, a, a little bit on the bratty side, or my behavior has been corrected. The Reverend has a fun, I'm trying to describe the hand of God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Fox, can you help So, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful writing crop. I'm sorry, um, them. <laughs> it's a beautiful writing crop uh, in the shape of a tiny hand about the size of a palm. Uh, and normally when I use it, if I'm in public, I will gently brush it on someone's cheek and then smack the shit out of them. <laughs> but in the context of Rose, I have them tell me the name of the toy uh, before beating them with it because I want them to remember what it is and why it's being used. So, and sometimes it's nice, but most of the time it's not. <laughs> that can be so powerful. In many ways, I hate the Catholic Church, but the one thing they got right was this whole concept of confession. Oh, yeah. And kind of bringing a catharsis to our own imperfections embracing the darker side and saying, yes, I was bad. But I think where confession falls short is this whole concept of coming back and saying, okay, instead of doing Hail Marys, how are you going to make amends for this bad behavior? Just beat me. Just, just beat me. Yeah. And beating's good, but there's also a concept of I can beat the hell out of Paul, but that's not going to be enough to change the behavior. I want to hear from him confessing to my cock. How do you how do you plan to change this? What are you going to do to make a difference? And I think that's the final step that a lot of people miss. Any thoughts? So, for me, I can tell you beyond any doubt that I had such a big problem with uh, just beating myself up about things and feeling terrible to the point of before I was medicated, even, you know, feeling suicidal sometimes about things. And even... After I was uh, medicated, uh, you know, just feeling terrible about any transgression that I made. But when Gigi insisted that, like, no, like, you feeling bad about this thing doesn't fix the thing. What do you need to do? to fix the 
the thing. Like, what do you need to do to fix the transgression? The, the amount of bad that I felt over the thing that I had done felt overwhelming in the beginning. And then when I realized, oh, I, I, I actually need to change my actions to not do this in the future. What is it that I did that made this happen and how can I do differently in the future? It, it was really honestly very interesting because a lot of times the amount of bad that I felt over the transgression that I made felt insurmountable. But when I first started thinking about, oh, how do I f make this thing better and not do it in the future, it actually wasn't that hard. It just took putting one foot in front of the other. And it was, uh, you know, small things at first, but like several small things strung together as an actual action to like literally change the thing that I was fucking up about. And like the problem, the thing felt so much bigger than the solution wound up being, uh, wh where I felt like it would be just like to the point I was, before medicating, like thinking about killing myself over this problem. But when I was like, okay, so maybe I can't fix the whole problem, but what is the first step? And then I did the first step. And I was like, okay, that wasn't actually so hard. What is the next step? And then did that and did that until the problem wasn't there anymore, I was like, oh, this isn't as insurmountable as it felt. It just felt really big because I was trying to take it on all at once instead of breaking it down into steps. And that's one of the big things that Gigi has taught me through his training with me is how to break things down into bite-sized things that I could actually handle and do. And hearing about it, it might sound really simple, but it was monumental at the time. And, that, that you know, that's what it was for me, at least. I want to take a moment and say that Oftentimes, it just takes a matter of focus. It takes a moment of looking at something a little differently. It takes a moment to say, wow, I've never seen this in this direction before. We get into patterns. And part of it is breaking those patterns. I think that's where punishment comes in. We can break those patterns and then give a few suggestions on 
How can we redirect all this and create a better service set? Well, to touch on what both you and Paul said, uh, as as a sub, sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the larger picture that it really takes, you know, a a shock of redirection to see uh-huh. the smaller <laughs> things of uh, I'm I made a mistake and and I didn't have to make that mistake and here are other ways of of redirecting and not getting overwhelmed it's it's not meant to be well some of it's meant to be cruel <laughs> oh i love to be cruel darling don't worry about that uh, i can spank paul till his butt is blistered and red but there's some care but, in that but there is a compassion and care and a guidance absolutely and uh, just when I punish Paul, I tell him ahead of time, I say, this is for you to, pain, I look at as a purification. Sanctification. It's a way to help a person really understand and incorporate into their inner being a lesson. And too often we think, oh, lessons are passé, they're things of the past. No, we need to learn lessons. And each lesson can carry on to the next event. I mean, a small thing that I'm punished for today will lead to a bigger lesson possibly tomorrow. Yeah. And let's see Reverend Fox wheels turning <laughs> in his I'm just head. getting sadistic in the back of my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go for it. Tell us. Well, I mean, okay. So, depending on the sub, depending on the mistake, and depending on the dynamic, can change the severity of that punishment drastically. Uh, something as simple as forgetting my drink. That's not worth the time and effort it would take for a full-blown punishment. You oh know, no! That's that's a little simple one that I'm like, you, all right, you'll you be, do a light one. You'll, you'll get a little <laughs> something for that later. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to do uh, with not only Rose but also one of my other submissives is I remind them, I let them know when and what they're getting hit for when it happens. Like they'll make a smirky face or they'll just do one little thing ever so wrong, and I'll be like, "You're getting hit for that." Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, you're gonna that's gonna happen. <laughs> The brat in me in enjoys fact, that, though. <laughs> in fact, Paul has a punishment coming soon. Oh, does Paul? Yes. <laughs> he made a couple of major transgressions mm-hmm. while I was gone. He kind of slipped up on performing his usual duties when I'm around, and he got forgetful and fell in love. <laughs> Got smitten and just... Oh, how naughty. <laughs> and I'm good with them being smitten and falling in love. But don't forget your duties. Exactly. You still have to perform. Even when I'm not around. And that's the hardest part, I think, for service sub is when the dom's not around being disciplined enough to still carry out your duties. 
I haven't really had that much of a problem with that with Rose. Rose listens to me even when I'm not around in a good way. Yeah. Well, that's good. It sounds like she's a really awesome service set. Or that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, We're playing it fast and loose with genders right now. So. Yeah, I'm a hermaphrodite. I go by all the titles. And See, I don't I, think anyone in this room. Is <laughs> and I do apologize. Not. I'm. I'm in, to say they. I'm very used to it, so it. It is okay. But I do apologize because I do need to be a little more conscious. I'm working on that. <laughs> But you are amazing and beautiful, and I love your hair. (laughs) Us redheads, we got to stick together. Uh (laughs) I noticed you have an unlit cigarette. Oh, I'm about to. Oh, no. Paul swooped in. My attention. This is becoming a beautiful radio play. Well, we need to stop for a minute and do station break. Many of you have listened to this show. We've gotten up to about 175,000 downloads. Congrato. That's incredible. Last time I talked to you, it was only like 115, 120. It's amazing. During the summer, the numbers went up. (laughs) While you were gone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... People are hungry for this show. They want to hear about sex and servitude and BDSM and sacred sex and all the beautiful forms of sexuality that's out there. And it's amazing. I'm getting thousands of downloads each day. Well, that's wonderful. But for Station Break, we do have a website. You can order. And I would love for people to come and download some of my training. Download the training. Do it. I have videos on many different topics to learn more about your own sexuality, to feel more Beautiful is a gorgeous, beautiful person you are. To learn the true meaning of beauty. My whole program on body image healing. Because we live in such a sex-negative culture with Hollywood visuals that are unrealistic that nobody can measure up to that form of it beauty but there's a whole new definition of beauty that you can measure up to and you are beautiful no matter what shape size age I know that I'm beautiful and I'm fucking almost 64 years old in September Next year, I have to apply for Medicaid. (laughs) (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) But I'm still sexy and awesome and beautiful. Damn straight. Damn A straight. Damn A straight. So no matter what age you are, what body shape you are, you 
fit somebody out there's vision of beauty. And as we learn more on the show, you will fit more and more people's vision of beauty. So check out our website, ravenslayerleather.com. Download some of the trainings. They're amazing. They can take you places. And not only that, we also have, although it hadn't been utilized yet, we do have a Patreon page. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, go to Patreon. I have a link on my website. Just go there and donate lots of money for us because we could certainly use it. <laughs> so enough for station break. Back to our show. What are some of the things... I want to get into details, juicy details. What are some of the things that two of you do in service setting? If that's not too personal. Uh, not not too personal at all. The Reverend is uh, one of the, the first people I've interacted that was big into throning. So that's been a fun thing for me uh, to experience. What? Explain what throning is. As a person who's never experienced throning, uh, the Reverend has a penis so uh cock worship is fan favorite of theirs Do you need permission? <laughs> I, I i wasn't sure how much i was allowed to, oh, allowed to say everything all the things oh, go for it all the things <laughs> so um i i noticed that they really enjoy uh a good a cock nuzzle upon my cheek like getting really in there giving tiny little kisses on the shaft and then like surprise deep throat. Like no one was ready for it. Just like just going for it and then like stopping, taking a break and then going back in for a nuzzle and a, a cute little peck of kisses. Um, <laughs> while uh, the Reverend is on this beautiful chair that they have for play, feeling powerful as they are an almost noble air just around them knowing that they deserve all the service that they're receiving how does that make you feel to serve that way honored i i really there's a there's a look. Does it give you a tingle? Down there's there? a tingle. <laughs> All right. Many now a tingle. All right. <laughs> I we've we've come across the uh, when I have giving service uh, while the reverend is throning, and then they reach down to my nether regions, and it's a full-on swamp down there. Like, it's, oh, it's wow. <laughs> moist. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, they were like, whoa, <laughs> hey, you might be a dirty slut because it's wet down there. <laughs> I think you are a dirty <laughs> slut. <laughs> I might be. Oh, I I see the inner dirty slut coming out. It's hard to admit that sometimes. 
in our culture? I I I grew up in a very sex positive uh, family, where uh, both my parents, as dysfunctional as they may be, uh, were very aware that like sex happens and sex means different things for different people. So my parents all supportive though they don't necessarily want to know all the details most parents don't of course not. right <laughs> but I, I never felt embarrassed or ashamed of what information my family did find out about my my sex lifestyle um, you're so fortunate <laughs> i i acknowledge that though i mean my father was a minister my mom is a pastor uh-huh. she's a methodist pastor well, my father was like, "You're going to hell." When I came out as bisexual, <laughs> I, I, um, the most confusing thing I think for my mother was when I brought home uh, a cis male for the first time. Uh, she was not prepared because throughout my high school, I had only been with women, and she was not prepared for me bringing home like a, a stereotypical dude. Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, mom." <laughs> She was the most confused about that. So yeah, I've been I've been very fortunate about a very sex positive family. Well, that's awesome. And uh, the the most important thing is like, because uh, you know my mom grew up in the eighties, so getting tested, getting checked was a very important thing, especially because I I'm polyamorous. I had multiple partners at any yeah. given moment. So she was like, Hey, <laughs> let's make this like an every other month kind of thing. And I'll go with you. We'll all go down to the Planned Parenthood and oh, just get cool. tested. <laughs> and so that was always really cool. I've um, been very fortunate. I mean, I fucked like a bunny rabbit back <laughs> in the seventies. <70s. laughs> In the, 80s, in the early 80s, 80s. and the 90s, <laughs> well, early by the, 2000s, by the 85, I was practicing safe sex, but we didn't know that back then. Well, there wasn't a lot of information, and I had boyfriends die of AIDS. Mm. I know I've been infected, You've but been I exposed. S- uh, exposed, right? But I still am negative. On all the tests. That's wonderful. There's a few of us that may have immunity. I've been so blessed because, and I may cry here a minute. How about it? But I had a boyfriend die of AIDS. Several of them. And The one that touched me the most, I could only visit him once in the hospital. His family banned me. Oh, no. And he begged me to help him commit suicide. Oh. Because he was in so much pain, and back then they didn't give pain meds. They just let him suffer. And he was in so much pain. And it hurt so much. And I was grateful that I could visit him. That one time. Sometimes one time makes a difference. And I held his hand and I said, just die with dignity. I know it's painful, but I can't. I'd be legally held responsible if I helped you commit suicide. Right. I couldn't do that. Right. I wish I could. I mean, we could put dogs down. 
but we can't put a fucking human being down when they're in that much pain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Back then, you could. No, back then, they didn't understand. And unfortunately, there were people. But enough of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't mean right, to right, get right. This way. <laughs> But yeah. it still touches me to Of course. Day. I mean, that's going to be something I'll take to the grave with me. Um, that's part of the overlap in BDSM and queer culture, is that oh, we yeah. have to live with that, is understanding that there are people who and have lost their lives BDSM to BDSM healed me so much from that. I mean, you wouldn't believe how much I was torn apart until BDSM with just that one episode and many other episodes in my life. I'm going to switch. <laughs> I've gone both ways. <laughs> I go always. I'm bisexual. I'm a hermaphrodite. Up, um, down, sideways, diagonal. You can do it all, way. Gigi. Yeah. Oh, I do it all. <laughs> Baby, I've been going every way possible. And I've done most experiences that people can even imagine. It's been a beautiful ride. And it's not done yet. Oh, not at all. I'm still <laughs> doing it. <laughs> but to me, part of being a... I mean, I've said on this show in the past, there's a symbiotic relationship between a exhibitionists and a voyeur. They both feed on each other. The same holds true with the dom and the service life. We both totally feed on each other. And it's good and healthy. A lot of people feel guilt around, oh, am I being too hard on my little service life? A lot of service ladies think, oh, am I serving him well enough? Am I doing my duties well enough? And guess what? You're feeding on each other in a beautiful, amazing, magical way. I do find that um, communication helps best with that. Communication is important for any dynamic. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> um, but any doubts that I ever have about, you know, am I am I doing enough? Am I being enough? Uh, because, you know, every person has their doubts. And, and uh, it's, it's hard when that creeps into that part of your life. Um, but just saying, like, uh, out of play, because it sort of ruins the whole thing. If you're like, um, hey, did, is that thing good? Did I do a good thing? Um, <laughs> which I've been known to do, unfortunately, is that during play, I'm like, hey, uh, side note, can I, can I get some feedback on what I just did and whether that was good or not? But you can do that within the context of play. Right. I haven't quite figured out how to do that subtly while in there. subspace. I, <laughs> I like... can help you with that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oftentimes, when I have Paul on the cross, and I'm beating the shit out of him, I'll stop and ask, okay, 
Can you take it harder for me? Do you want it harder for me? I know you want to please me, and it would please me if you do it harder for me. That's within the context to play. And he will, like, beg me for it. <laughs> goes, yes, go harder. And then with your example, it's like, am I serving you well enough? And instead of phrasing it that way, say, how can I serve you better, Master? What do you desire right now? That's within the context of play, and that's communication. And it's a way to say, oh, I want more of what I'm doing. I want to do you better. So honestly, the way I feel about this, um, I was actually telling Rose very earlier, I have discovered, especially after serving under Gigi for the time that I have, I'm secretly kind of neurotic in a lot of ways. I like I I second guess myself a lot, and uh, I often wonder if the way that I'm interacting with Gigi or anyone else in the world, for that matter, like if what I'm doing is okay, or if I'm just you know, there's a a part of me that kind of like feels like anything that I'm doing yeah anything that I'm doing I'm fucking it up um and one of the nice things about being a sub is especially for a, a dom like Gigi who is a service dom I get a lot of feedback and so I will know when I have done something wrong. I will know when I have overstepped a bound. I will know when there's something that I need to make up for. Because Gigi will not hesitate to tell me about that thing. And it's beautiful. Like, it... it helps me fight all of that internal conflict that I have inside of myself, you know? Well, there's... Sorry, you were going to speak. I was actually going to say, um, Paul and I touched on this earlier. Uh, we're talking behind your back, Rose. <laughs> uh, Rose prefers to uh, think over um, any kind of confrontations or altercations, anything that happens. Uh, before discussing him and bringing him to light, which is a good thing. It helps you understand the depth of whatever it was that went down. And it makes it to where the problem is able to be communicated effectively because you understand it. I am almost the exact opposite of that. Uh, I um, prefer to know right then and there uh, when something has gone wrong. And I prefer to express that in the moment as well because... Yeah. I feel it's almost a necessity at times to not overthink it and overcomplicate it if you address the problem while it's happening and adjust there. Of course, more adjustment may be needed later on down the line, but when it's uh, 
fresh when it's hot. Struck while strike while the iron's hot, you know. Oh Anything. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I like to strike. So <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think that's one of the the things that you have to work out in a in a, a dom sub relationship. Uh most of those experiences have been outside of play though. Yeah. Um um but communication is very important and the reason why it's important to to find a, a safe middle ground between somebody who likes to strike while the iron is hot and then somebody who likes like slow methodical thinking before confrontation is that there has to be a middle ground because it can't be one way or the other yeah. is then one person sort of left there feeling like they're uh processing isn't yeah. as important so there there's a there's a middle ground there working on finding it but there <laughs> is a middle ground there is <laughs> <laughs> and part of that middle ground is what the greeks called catharsis catharsis yes reaching that moment where you can experience not only the inner demons of our psyche, but the blessings, the part of ourselves that ring true and beautiful and amazing. And then that darker side that we're afraid to face in our culture. And sometimes we need to face that darker side. We need to understand that part of our psyche and express it. And that's where I think service slaves and BDSM come in so important because we can reach that moment where we can experience, maybe for the first time, that darker side of our nature and let it have room to play. It's when we stuff it in and deny it that it comes out in inappropriate ways. But when we can fully embrace it and express it within the confines of safe, sane, and consensual, we can become enlightened. I I completely agree. It It feels like a cliche saying this, but... Um, out of subspace, I'm a very prideful and I'm a very controlling person. So when I'm in a situation where I have no control, minus the reds that I've set in place uh, yeah. prior, because consent is sexy, uh, <laughs> and I and I'm in a situation where I can be humiliated, but I'm humiliated in a way that's humbling and not damaging. Um, I get to explore what it feels like to be a nothing, uh, a toy, a slave. To that be objectified. Exactly. In a, in a safe way that I cannot experience outside of subspace, oh, which is exactly. the reason why I was drawn to it in the first place. I've got to tell you a story. Okay. I'm on board. I'm strapped in. I knew a dominant and a submissive male, and he was very afraid of humiliation. He was scared to death of it. But his dom challenged him during a leather conference. 
He was dressed in a tutu <laughs> that had little strings attached that would raise it up. He had dental work done that wired his mouth closed. And her dominant knew that he had this real sense of humiliation around singing. And while he was on stage, they raised his tutu. And she said, okay, I want you to sing a lullaby. <laughs> and he became humiliated to the point where he turned red. He got this instant heart on. And he ejaculated on stage from being humiliated. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> and was so embarrassed by it all. It added to it. And afterwards he said, this is one of the most powerful healing experiences I've ever felt in my life. I overcame. Literally. I've experienced the worst, <laughs> and it wasn't so bad. Well, I think that ties back to the whole catharsis aspect of it. Um, from, like, a dominant side, yeah. uh, I didn't know for the longest time that I was a sadist. I thought that I didn't like hurting people, and I got nothing out of it. Yeah. And it turned out that I was approaching it the wrong way and I wasn't using it as a form of catharsis. You know, I was uh, early on in my BDSM life. I did hit other people, um, mostly just because I knew I could do it right. And <laughs> that if there was a person that wanted to be hit and wanted me hitting them, that I would be getting something out of it from that side, almost in like a, a like. <laughs> Uh, not a power bottom, but like the exact inverse of that. Um, so uh, that's honestly the definition of a sub a, a, a service dom. So I would be hitting these people, and it would I would get literally nothing out of it. It would do nothing for me whatsoever. It would just be for the action of it and for the pleasure of someone else. And. Eventually, at one point, I remember who I was with or why I was hitting them, but I decided to take something out. And it wasn't a specific moment. It wasn't, uh, this shitty thing happened to me today, so I'm going to take it out on that person. It was that I wanted the cathartic release of that action. I actually wanted to do it for myself in a certain sense. But at the same time, still serving the other person because I'm hitting the other person and they like it. Coming to terms with that kind of moment was very difficult, yeah. and, uh, especially as someone who was mostly a service sub up until a certain point. Um, I think that was my turning point. I realized that when I'm a Tom, because I was totally sub for so long, but when I realized that the sub and Tom relationship is totally a symbiotic relationship, okay. we feed on each other. I'm giving them their needs. They're giving me my needs. And just because and their needs... And all of a sudden it became so crystal clear to my mind that, oh, I'm a shaman. <laughs> I'm taking them on an amazing journey. 
you're both on the same ride, but yeah. one person is handing the other person the reins. Exactly. And it's a power exchange. Yeah. And it's about energy. It's not about physical parts as much as the spiritual, that energy exchange. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean high in the pie God. I'm talking about connecting with another person at a level that takes you both where you need to go. Any thoughts? So for for me, honestly, like going to that place, you know, Gigi just explained where it feels like going to that place as the as the person providing the dominance, but like being the person that's receiving it, I remember, so there are a lot of times that Gigi has had very specific and detailed things that he was doing on purpose for me and sometimes I did not know about it until it was happening. And most of the times, honestly, I didn't know about it until it was happening to me. Because the surprise is part of the thing about receiving it. He had heard me talking about the 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 pain and the trauma that I had gone through that made me who I was. And I thought that was just pain and trauma I was going to have to deal with forever. And just, it was going to be a part of me. But Gigi designed different experiences that we had around some of the serious trauma that I had dealt with. And because it surprised me, because it it was hard on me, um, it, it wasn't easy. But once I went through those experiences, I was able to work through that trauma in a way I never, ever would have been able to in any other way. And I I was able to really, like, internalize that stuff and on my own work through it because I had worked through it in a BDSM sense. And... And it was amazing. I can say, like, one of the biggest traumas that Gigi helped me work through, it was several traumas all at the same time, was I I had a major trauma attraction to men. I had attraction to a lot of men. Uh, but I was not able to really interact I hope you don't mind me telling no, that's 
I was not really able to interact sexually with Gigi in a lot of ways because I had to overcome trauma that I had had that was wrapped around sexual trauma that was wrapped around men, like cis het men, uh, especially older cis het men, which, you know, Gigi is not cis because it is both, but kind of on the outside looks like a cis het older guy. And maybe at first glance, look, look, yeah. Maybe, uh, at first, yeah. <laughs> maybe at first glance, but also honestly appears like many of the, or er, er, not many of, but at least three or four of the people who had abused me in the past. But then we went through a through a thing where he had me put needles in my dick and name different things that had like held me back and like after that I I I was all of a sudden able to be sexual with Gigi uh, it 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 was amazing. It, it it was a beautiful experience, but it it took going through this extreme thing to, and, and it didn't happen overnight either. It happened slowly, but going like having Gigi go through this thing with me that healed me of all of this. It was beautiful and wonderful, and after a time, I was able to really connect with all of the sexual stuff that we were doing, and like really like learn and grow, and it it changed so much. It it was beautiful. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we end the chat? Because we're at an hour and 15 minutes. Off the top of my head, no. But I always want to like leave on a really positive message. We've been talking about submission and servitude and being a service slave. And I'd like to end this show with some thoughts about what it means to be a service slave. I think part of it for me is being able to serve another person, get in touch with serving and the need to serve. As you serve someone, they will guide you if they're a good service dominant and take you to growth and development. It's an amazing process. I've been working with Paul and he has grown a whole lot from being part of this process. So I'd like to end the show with the opportunity for growth, creativity, and amazing results. 
So we reach the end of the show. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Have a wonderful night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.